When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 29 of Nerdy Show. Hi, I'm Hex. Row, 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 fight the power. Triforce Mike. I hate you. <laughs> Cap. I, I'm Brian. I am Brandon. Oh, we got Brandon in the studio again. And what you just listened to was Aurora, Meet Me in the Stars, from Anna Managuchi's brand new single that was the third installation of their every two week single releases. And it was so awesome. Yeah, that's a song for all kinds of Lisa Frank trapper keepers and just everything that makes me feel good. Yeah, my uh, my dreamscape is a Lisa Frank painting when I when I go there. It's, uh, my it's... dreamscape is an Anne Frank painting. <laughs> there's um, there's actually a um a beautiful piece of Lisa Frank parody art that I'll I'll, I'll stick up a link because it's beautiful and I want y'all to see this piece of Lisa Frank yeah. parody art. Lay it on me, baby, because uh, if I don't see does it involve Anne Frank? It involves a gigantic kitten. Yeah, I need pink kittens playing with purple dolphins and galloping pink ponies with purple manes. I, I think the success of the, the robot unicorn game on AdultSwim.com, that's the massive success of that, can just be attributed to the extreme lack of Lisa Frank in the world ever since the 1990s ended. Oh my gosh. And we need it back. And of course, what we're talking about this episode, if you haven't guessed yet. Oh, geez, yeah, because, you know, I didn't totally <laughs> ruin everything. We're talking about chiptunes. Yeah. <laughs> the, plight of, the plight of chiptunes in the UK. Because recently, a high court in the UK proclaimed that game copiers, such as the R4 chip clone, is now illegal. The reasoning for this is that it was the primary way that people were pirating games for the DS. And technically, the, the actual legality of is, is that it circumvents the programming of Nintendo's hardware and, and all that. But, I mean, everyone knows that you get an R4, you can get them for as cheap as $10 sometimes, yeah. and all of a sudden you can just download every goddamn DS game you want. I mean, and it, as far as piracy goes, it's extreme. No one's arguing that. Yeah. But the point is, is that the R4 cartridges and similar things like that have been used by chiptunes artists since kind of the inception of the movement. And, and it's used to create homebrew programs, homebrew games. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just the software that an entire musical movement runs off of, it, well, the hardware as, as well. And so anything labeled as a game game copier is illegal. So anything that uses a, a dummy Game Boy cartridge, a dummy DS cartridge, any of that is illegal. You can't perform with it. You can't show it in, in public. You, you can't fucking own it. For the DS, in order to use cartridges such as the LSDJ, you need to use the R4 clone. By outlawing the R4 clone, they pretty much prohibit Home, that form of chip Home, Homebrew software is effectively illegal because the hardware to use homebrew software right. is illegal. Yeah. Now, they go and they do this, but why don't they have measures in place to keep homebrew around? Or do they just not want homebrew? Like, I don't fucking understand. I, I don't know. Actually, I don't the, feel uh, like it's hurting anybody. I just, I, just, I just had a huge realization. Guys, we can make millions of dollars off of this. What we're going to do is we're going to write the new version of Footloose for the 21st century. Are you talking about, the, about the Kevin Bacon film Footloose? Yes! The, and the mean <laughs> preacher who doesn't like the rock and roll music. John, John Lithgow in one of his uh, finest hours. Yes, of course. Yes, yes. But we'll redo it, but about chip tunes. You know? Right. And instead of Europe and the UK, because no one cares because that's Europe and the UK, it's all about America. Yeah. Is it going to be called Chip Loose? Yes. Yes, it is. And they're going to say, damn it, Kevin Bacon. Why won't you stop playing with your Game Boy? Do you have a chip loose? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And also, also the, the kid, his, his character's name is actually Kevin Bacon, but he's not played by Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get some no-name, whatever we can afford, but we, his character's name is Kevin Bacon. Speaking actually, of Brandon, what are you doing? I'm just sitting over here laughing. Sweet. Great. Okay, cool. You're a Kevin Bacon. Yeah, you, you're a, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I can play the height of any... Uh, 
five to fifteen year old boy. <laughs> uh, whatever the age you need me to be, I can I, do that. I just need you to do some elaborate dance numbers while playing a Game Boy. I I can do that. All right. <laughs> yes. Then you, you, what year is this set in? What game am I playing? Um, is this Tetris, or are we talking about like are we doing the DS? You'll start on the Game Boy, and then you'll work your way up to the DS with a, with an R4 uh, card. Okay. But then so it's going to be a period piece. Yes, there we go. There, there will be periods in it. Uh, I kind of <laughs> at the end of every sentence. Kevin Bacon will have so a so now I just want to make it clear that this ruling does not cancel out the chance for anyone to make chip tunes because people have been making chip tunes since before the DS was out. Yeah, there was the old school, the classic Game Boy that was used with the original LSDJ cartridge, and that completely worked with the classic Game Boy without any problems. Workaround or... or, or right, or you didn't need a... legal, questionable areas. Right. There were also people like Pixelhead, who we'll be interviewing later, originally got into the scene with doing circuit bending by pretty much opening up children's toys, playing around with the circuits to make new noises, to make new music. So there's a, this whole genre of people that do circuit bending, and Pixelhead has since gone past that to make his own devices. Like, he even made his own cartridge for the Game Boy, the Game Music, then for the DS, the Super Game Music Pro. And another musician we'll be chatting with later is DJ RoboRob, all the way from Iraq. He's uh, American stationed out there. He actually originally got into it playing around with Fruity Loops, using synthesizers to primarily sound like chip tunes. You learned how to do music from cereal? <sighs> That's <laughs> the importance of this ruling in the UK is that this legislation, now that they've had a landmark victory in the United Kingdom of all places, it, the likelihood of them attempting to have it come over here is high. Right. And, and of course, we have, I mean, the U.S. has many, like, chiptunes communities. Like, New York City is it's a hub. It's, it's a massive hub of chiptunes. All kinds of people are doing it. Back, uh, back in our Blackest Night Song Fight episode, I even mentioned that uh, Seth Yabor, the uh, guitarist for Les Savi Fav, was, you know, doing chiptunes for an art installation. And, we, of course, last, last episode we interviewed Anna Managuchi, who makes uh, chiptunes on retro machinery as well as other stuff. Right. And they, you know, are prominently featured as the soundtrack to the Scott Pilgrim game. I mean, chiptunes aren't just, like, a status quo. They're actually increasingly prevalent in prominent pop culture. I Fight Fucking Dragons, for example. I mean, like, even... even <laughs> they should change their name to I Fight Fucking Dragons. Yeah, that's um, the worst. I mean, those even dragons. before that, though, back in 2008, I believe, the two main guys of the chiptune scene in New York, Bitshifter and Null Sleep, went on a world tour. They circumnavigated the globe playing music to scattered chiptune scenes throughout the entire world, showing that this is a prominent musical genre. And now there are countries that they couldn't tour to. Right. They would not be able to go to the UK. I mean, Saber Pulse, who will be playing music next, he's actually in Japan right now on tour. This happened while he was on tour. So what happens when he goes back? Like, he actually uses the LSDJ card in some of his music. I mean, if he goes through customs, they may actually say, this is like... This is contraband. Yeah. Uh, what I want to say is, just because the R4 card is there does not mean that chiptunes is dying. However, it is the easiest way for someone to get into chiptunes. What we're doing, what Nerdy Show is doing, is we're putting together something called Fight the Power. Row, row, fight the power. I hate you so much, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> but basically, the idea is that if some giant corporation is pretty much hating on nerd music, what we're going to do is we're going to stand up and say, knock it off. Nintendo isn't willfully turning against people making their own content for the games, except that they are. They're aware of the argument that this is used for making homebrew software, and they're saying that that's, you know, obviously in this economy, not important to them. But we want to present the agenda that it is important. That it is legitimate artistic movement, and they shouldn't be attacking this hardware, which can have legitimate 
legitimate purposes, they should be attacking like the torrenters and all the, the like yeah. locations. I mean, they're, the they're, pirators. They're, they're right. fighting the wrong fucking fight. Right. Is what it, they're doing. It's like they should make Mario Paint illegal. <laughs> you know. Right, like, like, right. Because you can, it, you can make music. It's a, it's a, you can make your own animations. You can, you that's can, right. You make your own music. Well, you, what's next? Are they, are they just going to pull the WarioWare? The <laughs> DIY. Like, they, I feel like they're stifling creativity. They're, and, I mean, the president of Nintendo himself, Iwata, was allegedly a bedroom developer before you know he became a part of Nintendo. Yeah. Like plenty of all those guys out. were. Jens Anderson of uh, LucasArts. She made the homebrew game Colors. I don't know if you if you know about this. this is one of the uh, the biggest games on on homebrew back in two thousand and seven, and then in two thousand eight, it actually got picked up and turned into a, yeah. an, an Apple app. These homebrew games are important. It's a great way to to develop to experiment as a game designer or as a musician. Something that Pixel Hate said in reacting to this ruling is that hundreds of people will never get to make music or realize they could be a programmer. Chip to music would not even exist if this legislation was in place a few years. Ago, I would not exist. Yeah, it's bullshit. Fight the power. We we know. Row, we, row. Shut up! Oh my god! If you go to uh, the link on the site, we clearly state the mission and then what everyone can do to kind of help raise awareness about the situation. So maybe, just maybe, we can avoid this happening here. And that as we're looking into ways to try to change things in the United yeah. Kingdom in the future, as well as fighting this, fight the power. Shut up! Is also going to be working towards supporting other genres. I know for a fact. Wizard Rock is not smiled upon by Universal. No. Almost, yeah, oh, they hate everything. But Warwick Davis loves Wizard Warwick Rock. Warwick Davis loves Wizard Rock. That doesn't mean that Universal does. the greatest does. wizard of them all. <laughs> he is Willow. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, like uh, at the, the Wizarding World Con recently, Fred Lives was allowed to play, House of Black was allowed to play, Harry and the Potters were not allowed to play what? because of their name, because it directly referenced the wow. franchise. I don't, that's but that, see, that, that's them just saying "fuck you" to their entire fan base. I mean, yeah. Oh, we are wizards. That yeah. the rockumentary. The, yeah. All that is about is how Universal is just taking a dump on the entire see, Harry Potter fan base. It, it's weird. Mm. You have companies like Capcom who embrace people doing right, music, where uh, where they're like, "Hey, Mega Rain, yeah. I know you're doing this. Here's a license." So you can do this and make all the money yeah. from it. Uh, hey, Shell Riley, we hear that you're yeah. making music based off us. Why don't you actually make a soundtrack for us? Yes, yeah. OC Remix. Hey, exactly. Like they, uh, Capcom's really cool, but then you have Nintendo and their legal department, which they like a couple of years ago, probably a lot of years ago at this point, attacked uh, the Suicide Girls website because people would search for Metroid and they were getting people's profiles, members of the site, <laughs> saying their favorite game was Metroid or Mario, and Nintendo lawyers just freaked out because their names were on a pornographic site, and we're like, well, we're also social networking, and people are going to write whatever they want, and, right. and then like some higher-ups at Nintendo retracted that, but I don't know, Nintendo just kind of likes to jump the gun and not let people do things, and I mean... Their, I mean, lawyers, their lawyers are very, from what I've heard of them, based on the Earthbound discussions, yeah. actually, is that they're just very paranoid people. The fact that Earthbound isn't released here is, is not, not due to hatred towards Earthbound and, and the fan group, but, but because the lawyers are so paranoid about the pop culture references within the game, and and the sampling that takes place within the music infringing on legalities that they just don't want to challenge. And, and see, and that's like another reason that these kind of workaround cartridges are kind of important because f for me as a, a fan of the Mother series and the Earthbound games, I wanted to play the third game and there was not a way to do it unless I, you know, emulated it with a fan translation. Well, this is a good discussion that we at least are excited about. Yeah. I know other people are going to be excited about, so yeah. why don't you join the conversation with us and fight the power? Row, row. Ah! <laughs> Over at Nerdy Show and on our Facebook. 
and soon proper um, fight the power website which we're will, working on that in the future in the future so until then yeah we're gonna have a music break and then when we come back we're gonna talk with none other than pixel hate himself <gasps> because i mean he is in many ways the primary spokesperson for chiptune's music in the united kingdom and he's the one who pretty much let us know this was happening yeah yeah what we had Truth actually bombs. from saber pulse uk-based chiptuner is Outbreak, recently released on 8bitcollective.org, and this actually uses the DS LSDJ. So this song is now illegal. To perform live or in your home.
What you just heard was computability love off of Pixel Hate's release from last year and The Revolution. And in the studio with us via Skype is not other than Pixel Hate himself. Hey, Pixel Hate. Hello. <laughs> Pixel Hate, you are at the epicenter of this landmark court decision in the UK. How did this make you feel when you first heard about this? I was 50-50 about it. I can understand Nintendo's want to kind of outlaw these R4 cards because of piracy. I've always been completely against piracy. I think it's one of the worst kind of plagues of our culture, you know, to take somebody's art or, you know, their film, their music, and just kind of rip it off. I'm always against piracy. But the flip side of it also was that people were using it to gain access, to gain knowledge, to do research, um, to do interesting things with um, the Nintendo device. So I was 50-50 about it because you know, a lot of my friends are, if you like, official developers. You know, that's their livelihood that the, you know these kids are downloading. But at the same time, these developers, a lot of them, they cut their teeth on learning how to kind of get into machines by being able to have this kind of access. So it was a sad day because it, it'll mean, you know, hundreds of kids might not be able to get into music. They might not be able to get into programming in the future. So it was kind of... 50-50 in the other side of it is that yes it might kind of curb piracy a bit but who knows who knows so I voiced my kind of comments my concerns to them and they sent me their reply <laughs> and how did that reply go I don't, I don't know how to explain it. they you know they said that the main reason why they did it is prevent piracy and you know they they I mean they do have a pretty good policy for letting people develop on their system uh, that was about that really but I mean I I'm kind of looking at it well there's plenty of other systems out there to work on at one point you said chip tunes are no longer made by old video game systems but a variety of synthesizers uh, these are words you yeah, need. Yeah, this is a, a, a kind of weird f- phrase that keeps coming up. It seems like a lot of uh, bands, shall we say, in America are now no longer emphasizing their use of chiptune machinery and saying, oh, actually, we use a variety of synthesizers. So they're kind of moving away from the chiptune arena, if you like, to possibly kind of cover up the fact that they had used chiptune machines. But I found it was amusing because if you then type that band's name in something like Wiki, it then lists them, you know, the synthesizers as, you know, loads of old video game machines. Mm -hmm. I just think it's an interesting time for chiptune. It can go two ways right now. It could be completely destroyed or, you know, something good might come out of it. Who knows? You know, I always want to be positive about these things. I want somebody to say, you know, that's not too bad. Let them do it. But who knows? Who knows? I've been, you know, following your Twitter feed where you've obviously it's been a pretty heated place after <laughs> after the court ruling. You had a, a tweet not too long ago that said uh, individual chiptune artists appear to be cutting deals at the expense of others, turning it into an elite club. Chiptunes grows up and becomes just as corrupt as mainstream music. Is that a prophecy? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think so. I think there will be deals cut with various companies. I, I certainly think that it's something that might come up in the future. I'm concerned that there might be people that, you know, are going to be allowed to do chiptune music, and then there'll be others that aren't. And I'm certainly not going to be one of the people who cut deals. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not something I'm interested in. You know, it's, they say, you know, it's, Matt, it's okay for you to make chiptunes. That's fine. It, well, it's not really good enough. There's a hundred kids that are going to come after me who are going to want to do the same thing. Unless it's okay for them, I'm not signing shit. Right, no, I remember um, when you were doing the uh, the samba lessons with the kids, how yeah. you mentioned how they lined up to play with the Game Boy instead of the keyboard, because that's yeah. what they were more familiar with. 
Yeah, it's um, you know, it can be a useful tool. You know, this kind of cultural familiarity with a device to get kids involved in music. I heard that there were performers who were suggested to not show their Game Boys on television in the UK or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a while ago. I think some lad from the UK was doing something with MTV or whatever, and he was told not to have it on TV, and it was just like, wow. Nice. <laughs> it was kind of um, like. This... Quite shocking that his his people told him, you know, you shouldn't have that on TV, blah, blah, blah. So it's a kind of tricky business. I mean, you guys are lucky in America because, um, you know, these laws haven't come through over there and you can jailbreak your iPhone. Although I've never had any wish to jailbreak my iPhone because you can just get the SDK for it. But so it might be the case that we have to come over to America to release our albums. <laughs> yeah, or at least to perform live. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, I did use the DS live because it was very portable. It was very easy to use, very easy to um, take around, and it produced a nice 50-50 square wave. But um, it just means I'll have to go back to using my original kind of setup, which is like BBC Micros and ZX Spectrums, which produces the sound that you hear on the albums. So it'll be a bit more like the albums anyway. But I've learned so much about computer technology recently that, yeah, I think my life setup will be different anyway. This means I can't be as portable as I was before. Uh, now, you've recently mentioned that you're working on a project to kind of circumvent this whole uh, ruling. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, I was started when I was a kid. I started programming when I was a kid, when I was 10, 12. And, you know, that was the right age for me. I understood it. I had the mental capacity to do so. I had the free time. So I thought, you know, kids don't have the funds to buy SDKs. They don't have all this. They don't have a financial backer that can secure them. To That way, their SDK environment won't fold into the wrong hands they don't have a safe in a business premises and all these rules essentially they're kids so i just thought why don't i make a computer where there aren't any of these rules i have a clear list of things i wanted on a computer i wanted it to have midi in midi out you know for people to make music it's got to be able to produce a variety of very basic chiptune sounds it's got to be if possible 90 percent solderless so it can all be built on a breadboard all these kind of rules, it has to be SD card compatible, it has to be attached to either like a portable screen or a TV screen if you don't want to buy it. And you can build all these different components up individually. So I started planning it out and then just kind of thinking about it. I thought, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and so I sent my girlfriend and the kids away for a week and <laughs> I thought, oh, on holiday, not just sent them away. <laughs> Get out! I have work to, to do. To the east wing. To the set. They went on holiday. They went on holiday, and um, I thought, you know, I've got a whole week. This is going to be great. You know, I'm going to sit down and plan this out. And uh, it took me eight hours. Beautiful. Wow. So it was like, okay, so I can do this. Now I need to step back and plan it all out so that way, you know, a kid and his dad could essentially build this computer and they can learn about what goes into a computer, and they can write for it. And all the components are off-the-shelf components. There's no reverse engineering. There's no possibility of infringing anybody's feelings. Um, there's, <laughs> it's all about things that you can buy readily off the shelf and turn into a computer. But, you know, And you can do basic things. that You can display graphics. You make music. You can make basic games with it. And it's very easy to do. So the the plan is, you know, once I've got a, lots of good documentation and I know that people will be able to follow it and build it, then I'll just release it. You know, I say it's a new machine, but hopefully it will be a new way of people thinking about the machines to give people a bit more confidence that they had 
you know, during the 80s when we had kind of these wonderful vast array of different types of computers, my primary aim for it was for it to be a chiptune machine. You know, it will be a machine that can make the chiptune sounds I need it to make and you don't have to go through a lot of kind of rigmarole to get to that point. That's fantastic. How soon do you think the schematics for this will I'm be online? I'm hoping that it'll probably be about a month or two. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make up, uh, you know, the, all the schematics so you can do your own breadboard version, but I probably will do a PCB version as well. Awesome. Yeah. Is there any amount of activism that you think that people should participate in to change the perspective of the UK court uh, on this decision? I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't think it would help at this stage. I think, you know, they've clearly said they don't want us to develop on it. If they don't want us to develop on it, let's go to another machine. Yeah. Mm. It's amazing you know, that you it, found the answer. It's really a gorgeous idea. Like, I said in a very kind of Moses-type way the other day, let silence fall upon these machines. <laughs> <laughs> to one of my students, and he, he just cracked up, and I said, this is serious stuff, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, something, uh, something that you said that I think is uh, a really beautiful line, if it should be, a, I don't know, a, a tagline for your new product is, uh, if they don't want us to play with their toys, we won't. We will make our own. Yeah. yeah. The thing I hope from this the most is that people get a bit more confidence about dealing with machines. They don't think, because I do a lot of workshops in England to teach kids how to make video games, how to program and stuff. And you ask these kids, where do games come from? And they say, Tesco's, which in England is like, uh, I suppose, like Kmart or Walmart. <laughs> you know, they don't understand that there are humans out there making these things, fantastic things, you know, coming up with all these ideas. And they're quite shocked that they can actually be involved in it and can actually do it themselves. So I'm hoping that more people will kind of get more confidence and we can have more creative, more innovative games like what we did in the 80s because if you if you think about it not many new games formats have come out since the 80s and when in the 80s we had all those different machines and we had all that access instead we've just been churning out sequel after sequel and i'm sorry if whatever fighter number 17 doesn't do well as whatever fighter 16 i'm not surprised because it's the same damn game you know (laughs) We need a lot more competition in the world. I hope it will inspire people to do that. We're going to be playing a, a track from your forthcoming album after this segment. What can you tell us about that album? I'm working on it. It's very hard because there's a very... It's, it's a double album, so we're looking at about 28 tracks. I've got oh, a wow. lot of demos at the moment. From the first part of it is software, which is kind of poppy, happy chiptune. And there's the second part, which is hardware, um, which is more aggressive, kind of glitch, electronica, kind of sound, very very kind of harsh, um, all chiptune again. But mixed kind of in between those two is a very, all I can say is a very strange bit that it uses kind of techniques that I don't think have been used before in chiptune music. So double album in three parts, if that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> I think I can follow it. Somewhat. Three parts to a double album. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, previously, as our fans are, uh, might be aware, you've uh, you've done more intellectual pursuits with Obsolete, where you played around with the past yep. of computing, and then with the Observations, where you pointed to the stars. Do you have any more, yep. uh, another project similar well, to and he that? And he did mention, in the last time we had him on, that it would involve some kind of inner space-like uh, scenario. Yeah, that's yep. right, that's right. <laughs> I, I am working on it, and I am working on trying to stay alive, actually. Um, <laughs> yes, I oh, have 
Yeah, I would mention I have a very peculiar heart, and it kind of does what it wants to sometimes. And hopefully, you know, when I go and see the, the specialist again, I'll be able to get a bit more information about possibly piecing together a piece. As you can imagine, talking to these, like, really high up heart specialists who are trying to treat me for my condition, and I'm only concerned with, can I get a good rhythm out of that? Um, <laughs> They're um yeah they're a bit kind of you know, Matthew you know this is quite serious you know, um you know it's like well get it on tape um so, <laughs> uh, I'm working on it I think it'll that'll probably be around March of next year uh, I always do them in March because they seem to have time around then. When I'm listening to your music, there are some tracks that really stand out as having a kind of a vocal-like melody to them. The one that comes to mind uh, most prominently is You Were Born to Save the World, which is just an incredible yeah. track. And I'm listening to okay. the, the chiptunes harmony that, that carries that piece over top the uh, the actual like symphony that was performing, and it sounds yeah. exactly like a vocal track. Are there lyrics mm. to that song? It's actually uh, a, it's a song I sa- sang my baby um, when he was born to get him to sleep. Aww. It was just a kind of melody. Um, so it's a lullaby. It's a, the digital lullaby. It, there wasn't any words, but they're um, certainly uh, a song originally. But yeah, just as a melody to get him off to sleep, basically. How many of your pieces actually start off with you humming a melody or building chiptunes off of that? You, you'll probably find this endlessly amusing. I actually kind of, I love soul and funk music. <laughs> so I will jam out a riff on a guitar and then put it on to you know, a, a BBC Micro or a ZX Spectrum. I always start usually with a real instrument because there, there's, you have the kind of spontaneity of you, know, you might play something wrong and something else might come out of it. And a lot of my rhythms are kind of offbeat and like that. So yeah, I always kind of play kind of funk guitar and then transpose that into a, a chiptune sound. I think that works best for me really. I would love to hear some of those. Uh, those oh, they're terrible! Fun- they're ter- <laughs> the, demos, the demos should be digitally burnt. They're, <laughs> they're so terrible. I mean, that's funny. Uh, and I have. I mean, I'll admit to it. You know, I've even had to beatbox over some of the demos to get the drums out of my head. So that way, I know how they sound. But again, those demos are terrible. You should, you should release... release one for April Fool's Day. I highly recommend it. Oh, pick your worst one. I could do. Uh, yeah, my worst one. Yeah, this is my new track. Um, it's the direction you're going with for your experimental album. I, I am. I'm, I'm pushing the boundaries of chip tune by not having any chips involved. Just call it organic um, tunes. I've got to ask you a question, okay? A lot of my other American friends, right, they completely deny Family Guy exists. Well, um, after it came back, for the, the time after it was yeah. really, really dead, yeah. I enjoyed it for about half a season, and then the joke recycling got to me to a point that I st- did completely stop watching it. <laughs> and I and I stayed on with American Dad because Family Guy's formulaic comedy of like, well, this yeah, one time, yeah. and the flashback or flash forward or whatever, I loved how yeah. American Dad did jokes that good, but integrated them into the plot, so I started watching that, but I, I actually haven't been regular with either of them at this point. I'm a bit of a comedy sure. snob myself, and... <laughs> I liked the uh, Family Guy for the first season, and I liked a couple of the seasons once it came back or from being dead. But once yeah. I've uh, seen Futurama come back, like I've seen what true yeah. comedy can be, and I'm like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to... I think Futurama is a pedestal that you shouldn't be putting that up on, because, I mean, Futurama, like, what do, what do we learn today? We learned that, that Futurama wrote and proved a, a mathematical proof. Just for an episode. Just, just for an episode. That's a level of quality that will never exist yeah. anywhere else. That's why <laughs> sure. I... That's why well, I, when I... When I say my American friends 
deny its existence. I mean, when you talk to them about it, it's like, oh, no, can't talk about Family Guy. Oh, no, no, they, they talk about all kinds of things on that. No, we can't talk about that. They completely deny it exists. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. I, yeah. I don't have that experience. I, I actually, like, I have a problem with Family Guy not being controversial enough. Like, I can see that. It, it plays itself up as being so controversial. And but... then I watch it, and I'm like, I'm way worse than this. <laughs> In fact, you're straddling the line a little too much. Like, where's the 9-11 jokes? Okay, there's one. I need two. It's on quite late over here in England. It's, by the time it's on, you're kind of thinking, did did they say that? Or did is my mind making this up? <laughs> um, do I have these issues? I mean... Am I the racist? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're just sitting here envious that you get to watch Doctor Who and uh, IT Crowd before we do. Uh, it's not. Much. Oh, you know the computers that are in the background of the IT Crowd? Yeah. They're yeah. all owned by my friend and the Computer History Museum. Oh, oh really? Awesome. Not the the National Museum of Computing, but the Computer History Museum. And they're a bunch of really good guys. And I've actually worked on a lot of the machines, well, played with a lot of the machines that are in the background of IT Crowd. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's loads of these little videos that are on like the news in England about me that you haven't seen in America, and I'll, I'll put them on Facebook and I'll and I'll show you. Oh yeah, um, oh, awesome! I think you'll find. There's like a secret history of pixel hate, which kind of it goes out in England, and everybody knows what I'm doing in England, but nobody knows in America what I've done in England. So it's, I'll put them on Facebook. Yeah, please do. Um, I see that. But um, yeah, Doctor Who. Do you like the new series of Doctor oh, Who? Oh, I loved I it. Probably, I loved you it. You do? Yeah, I um, I mean, I have my. uh, Mike's a complete fanboy, though, for Doctor Who. I am, but I I think it's, like, actually one of the best of the new seasons since the reboot. Like, it's just really well done. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Really well-woven story that tagged back to the first episode of the season, and it seemed more like a complete story than any of the Russell T. Davies seasons. Far, far more. And, um, it's a better, complete story. I mean, it had a couple super weak episodes, but whatever. It's Doctor Who. My kids love it. I, I like the 80s Doctor Who because all the sound and all that Delia Derbyshire's work and all the... Oh, yeah. I actually went to the Radiophonic Workshop where they did all the sounds, but it, was, it had been closed for 20 years, and I got to the door, and the man said, You're late by 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, but Doctor Who's a time traveler. We can go back. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Things like Doctor Who and IT Crowd, like, I don't miss them because I'm in the States. My computer is set to download them moments after they air over there because the, uh, they just, the uploaders, they just have it ready. Other shows, even in the States, aren't that punctual. It's just... And then uh, what's what's that great show that they censored the hell out of? Um, in betweeners. Yeah, the in betweeners. They they just like brutalized it with bleeps and everything and edits. Because yeah, we have a we have a fun channel over here called uh, BBC America. And it, okay. And it, <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's and not very good. It, it's like all the great shows from. BBC. Minus the show. The, they go as far as to not show some Top Gear episodes because they are too risky. They actually edit out a, a, a line in the first episode of the new Doctor Who season where he oh. goes, You're Scottish, fry something. And then they edited that out because it was racist. <laughs> yeah, BBC America. It's not even worth like and, watching. And now, now that like not only did they show uh, UK shows like months and months late, yeah. but now they're like, you know what Americans really want? More Star Trek The Next Generation reruns. Yeah. And James Bond marathons. <laughs> yeah. So that's 50 to 25% of what it is on an average day is James Bond and Star Trek The Next Generation. Which is great. I love wow. both of those things. It just, I can get those on many other channels. <laughs> 
Well, you'll you'll have to come to England and travel into the future then. Ah, uh... uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, what we have is an exclusive track from the upcoming album, the schematic. This is Spiral. <laughs>
everybody. I want you to slow down a minute here. This is Eric Estrada, Ponch from Chips. Listen, you're listening to the Nerdy Show. Enjoy it. It's a lot, a lot of fun. We just listened to it was a brand new track featured over at 8bitdaily.com. That was Before I Go by iKinetic, and uh, that was recently featured on 8bitcollective.org, and it was really awesome. Yes. And I enjoyed it. Nice. Well, as you gentlemen and dear listeners of all sorts and sexualities <laughs> uh, may, may remember, last last uh, episode, our blockbuster, extremely long um, Star Wars episode, Oh yeah, we uh, we started a contest, uh, the Will Row Hood Star Wars Giveaway Contest. Yeah, Will Row Hood. And I just want to remind you of that because we want to see what you're going to come up with. Will Row Hood, of course, you can learn all about him in last week's episode and, and on the, the individual contest post, but we want you to create fan love for this eclectic background Star Wars character with a very, very minuscule expanded universe backstory. We want you to expand it even further. We want you to create alternate timelines. We want you to do art of him with his ice cream maker. We want you to make a cozy for his ice cream make, machine. Make a Wilro ice cream <laughs> cozy and I guarantee you, you have a very good chance of winning. Make a Wilro hood ice cream flavor. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. See, these are. Look at all these ideas. We are an idea factory. Just you know, what you could. Uh, I dare say, if you get a Wilro Hood tattoo on your body, you will win automatically. Yeah, win. Yes. However, if there is another Wilro Hood tattoo, the better one wins. Yeah. <laughs> you've got competition right there. You've got a Will Row 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 fight the power. <laughs> uh.
Anyway, I mean, the, the, the prizes are extensive, and many of the prizes are exclusives from Star Wars Celebration. You won't be able to get anywhere else unless you pay steep prices on eBay. So, you know, it's a simple thing. We'll take anything. That is, you know, tattoos are expensive. I understand that. Yeah. No one's going to do that. You could scribble and cram a Will Rowhood uh, image. That's good, just as good a chance as anything. If it makes us lull, it might just win. Yep. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about video games right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to... <laughs> video games. Video gaming. There's a new Medal of Honor game coming out. Yeah. And uh, what's weird about I mean, Medal of Honor... Was Those are war games. World, World War II games. Right. But this one is set during the currently ongoing desert conflict in Iraq. Okay. Yeah. It's weird. Mature gaming. Exactly. And what's interesting about it is it was really, it was announced that in multiplayer, you can play as the Taliban. <laughs> so our friends over at VG Charts actually investigated in how the U.S. Armed Forces feels about this. Yeah. There's an extensive interview where they talked with uh, with a number of people in the military in various positions and various factions, you know, Army, Navy, etc. And they've got some really interesting perspectives. And some of them are pretty knowledgeable about gaming. A guy named Jason from the Navy says, Anyone remember the fuss that Mortal Kombat made when it first came out? If your kids played it, they were going to grow up and be devil-worshipping psycho killers? I can honestly state as a gamer and, and as a military man that games have less of an impact on people than they might think. When I'm playing a game, I don't sit there and consciously tell myself, oh yeah, I'm going to kill some American citizens for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I just push the buttons and giggle at the ragdoll physics engine. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's a really, really cool article. We have a link to that on nerdyshow.com. I mean, the way I feel... On the other hand, that guy is saying that playing video games doesn't turn people into killers. This guy is a trained killer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I what his position is. <laughs> He's in the Navy, man. He might work the radar. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's in the He'll Navy. He'll sit on a boat. I He's... won't get in trouble for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I don't care. You can play as a Taliban. I don't even... It's like you always can play as the villain these days. It's con- consistent in a lot of these people's opinions as well. There's always a bad guy. Yeah. So I mean, a- ever since like Counter-Strike, you could always play a terrorist. Yeah. And if you can play Nazis, then, I mean, you can't really get a worse villain than you, that. You fight terrorists all the time in the Call of Duty games. You yeah. fight people from the Middle East all the time in the new ones. I don't understand why this is any different. Well, I think it's the fact that before, in other games, it's a lot more generic. It's just on from the Middle East. I could be from a made-up country. That's yeah. sure. I could be from anywhere. I'm and from explicitly. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm a Latverian terrorist. <laughs> Hell doom. Man, I would play the shit out of that game. <laughs> an interesting perspective uh, is from Justin Pelosi, who's an SPC in the Army. He says, The creation of games like these is war profiteering. War profiteering of any form is unjust and constitutes a true insult to those who have served overseas. Whoa. What about movies about Vietnam? Or Italian plumbers. Like, what? A, what? You know, How does it not insult Italian plumbers? I don't know, man. But, like, but anyway, a I lot can... of interesting perspectives. A lot of interesting perspectives in this article. Yeah, now I guess that is. A... Now, I want to play, I want a game where I can play as a fireman in 9 11, or, <laughs> or I can play as the terrorists driving the plane. Or I, I can one up you with the third faction, play as the building. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> or play a, 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 a like Sim City type game where you build mosques around Ground Zero. <laughs> or, just... <laughs> now let me ask: Was this Better, game the banned? Best version yet? You throw mosques at the twin towers and build planes on the remains. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Wait, what? Well, I heard. That I just like the idea. To ban it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Right now, actually. Well, you can't play Wolfenstein in Germany. What? But it really happened. <laughs> yes. That's Fra- why. Everyone knows Wolfenstein. Happened. All of them. All like three of them. <laughs> I don't know. They don't want to admit that the Frankenstein Hitler monsters were uh, were real. 
And that Hitler like, had a mech. Why do you think that was like the war? <laughs> <laughs> and then anywhere you get a Frankenstein with four axes and a chain gun coming out of its fucking chest, it's like that's the worst thing to ever happen in war. If you're playing the computer version, they're German Shepherds. But if you're playing the Super Nintendo version, which the graphics were so bad that they just call the German Shepherds giant rats because <laughs> that's what they look like. I believe the rats to be more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> What's some other um, things happen in Lily Brandon? My head's been um, in the hole, really. If, for those of you who haven't played Resident Evil 5 yet, it's hey, been out for a while now. Hey, you, you just started playing it recently. Yeah, both, um, of you, both of you and, and I were really and far I, behind. I have that. to call bullshit on Capcom for having you pay for bonus chapters that are already programmed into the game, and you basically have to pay five bucks each to unlock them. In oh, wow. really? Yeah, and they're already in the game. You pay five bucks, and it's like, boop, unlocked. And they're just, like, things that they set you up in the game that, like, flashbacks from. They, they, swear, they, they yeah. swear that they're not unlockables, though. Yeah, except that it takes one split second. As soon as you click it, it's unlocked. Uh, but also, there, there's a patch next month being released so that you can actually use the Sony Move with it. So it's more like Resident Evil 4 for the Wii. And I hear that the controls are really good, like the Wii version, which would make it way better. Except, and here's, here's the part that pisses me off. It's like every first-person shooter, every third-person shooter, you use like the left trigger, the left bumper to like aim, you're done, mm-hmm. and then the right to, to shoot. But on the on the Sony Move, they're both on the right one. During like Gamescon or, or whatever, they, there was no setting to actually adjust. You can't actually adjust the settings for the Move oh, to change it to like one of the buttons on the thumbstick, which oh. doesn't make sense to me. Uh, maybe they're gonna fix oh, it. Yeah, hopefully they fix it before. It comes well, everyone, out, everyone playing just... the demo of it kept like selecting their partner instead of aiming like oh fuck there's there's Africans I've got to kill for some and, reason and, and, and they pull the left trigger and it focuses on their partner yeah, and they can't the do anything cam. yeah the boob cam yeah the boob cam that's like, basically what it, it does it locks right onto the chick's boobs um, so that's <laughs> stupid hopefully they fix it yeah Parasite Eve you like the first game. Yeah. I love the first game. The, the battle first game system, was awesome. Yeah, the battle system was so great that they decided let's never ever do it again because they're lame. And then the second <laughs> game came out and they tried to maybe make a Resident Evil game and that game sucked. Uh, and it Parasite was- Eve 3. Wow. It was three years ago. What? On what? On phones in Japan. <laughs> and and people people swear people swear it wasn't even released three years ago in Japan, but the company claims it was, but nobody's heard of it. Oh my wait, God. Um, wait, wait, wait! <laughs> How is that even possible? I don't know, uh, but it, it ran on magnificently wonderful cell phones over in Japan, and then they're they're redoing it right now, currently for the PSP. And I was watching videos of the game and. It looks pretty awesome. It's it's more action based, and you you use this weird digital thing that looks like Ghost in the Shell, where you like jump into people's bodies and take control of them before you die, and like things like that. So it looks really cool. I don't know if it is. But hey, Parasite Eve Two was a massive letdown. What yeah. was so strong about Parasite Eve was the story was brilliant because it was based on a novel. This this story, and I don't expect the story to be good. In this yeah, one. it's just looks like generic monsters coming out of the ground. I mean, basically, I'm done with Parasite Eve. You know, the first game was brilliant, and then. Like, the second game sucked, and Madonna bought the film rights because she wanted to be in the movie, and then she's sitting on them and nothing's happening. You know, fuck it. At Gamescom, uh, Dragon Age 2 was announced already. In fact, they've been making it since almost the first one came out. Awesome. Well, that makes um, sense considering how long it took them to make the first one and how bad the graphics were. Here's something you're going to love. You know that you know how it's like got really slow, like, kind of online fighting? You select yeah, the monster, you shitty, slowly attack? shitty World of Warcraft fighting system. This is still an RPG, but they made it so it's button mashing. You attack that really Christ. fast, you can dodge, you can move. I, I honestly felt... Get the all game, the RPG mounts, the game the was practically set up to be that that, that yeah. fighting style, but they just chose not to. And they kind of cel shaded it, so it's stylistically way better. So this is actually going to be the really fun Dragon Age series. Thank God. So, <laughs> so it sounds to me like the like the way Mass Effect Two learned from Mass Effect. I wanted to play and enjoy Dragon Age so badly because yeah. the story was so good, much like the original Mass Effect. But well, Dragon Age I thought was way worse than Mass Effect One as far as me being able to like you know get into it and enjoy it. Yeah, it was it was kind of slow. I mean, I love the story, but like the fighting just really, really got to me. 
If you don't want to pay for PS3 games and you don't want to support Sony, well, I've got the website for you. It's called osmodchips.com. It's an Australian-based <laughs> website. They swear they're legit. There's been tons what? of videos supporting it. It's like a plug-and-play USB mod chip that actually lets you do homebrew stuff, pirated games, copies. Of course, it's illegal here, so I don't know how you would get it. It costs 170 Aussie dollars. I don't know how much that is. You can't even buy a, a dingo for 170 Aussie dollars. So I, I don't know if it's like well, a lot or ten cents. <laughs> you know that that's appropriate for the episode with the R4 being banned in, oh, yeah. in Great Britain and everything. And oh, this I'm on the site right now, Osmod Chips, yeah, yeah. and they've got and Kotaku swears by it. They've got stuff for your DS. They've got stuff for your 360. How the hell can you play DS games on the PS3, dude? No, it's no, it's no it's, for they mod chips for the mod chips for these okay. systems. So if you don't like supporting, which, which we're of course hard. not endorsing in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I condone it. I mean, condemn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're the, I'm you're the I just I mean, These headphones are killing me. Okay, so, <laughs> if you guys haven't played Assassin's Creed 1 or 2, you're probably like me and you're an asshole. Because I should. <laughs> uh, well, it's being released in November. I haven't played any of them. People keep talking about it. It's supposedly great. All I know right now is about the multiplayer that's in beta right now for the new one. And yeah. Do you know anything about the multiplayer and how awesome it is? Uh, yeah, I saw videos of it. Oh my god. It's So basically, there's assassins and targets, and everyone looks like, you know, everyone is dressed all weird in that whatever time yeah, period that is. Yeah. Yeah, so everyone... <laughs> the yeah, past. In, in the in, past. In the Renaissance. Well, I never played it, so I don't know if it's really the past or not, but... I mean, you want me to spoil it? So, well, people... <laughs> so you can blend in with the crowd, and all these NPCs everywhere in, like, a city-like landscape, and any one of them could be the person meant to attack you. So you'd be walking by a ton of people in the crowd and all this. Automatically, another player's gonna stab you in the face. And meanwhile, while you're looking for your target in the crowd or in the city or on the roof or wherever the hell you are, someone's also hunting you. So everyone's got a target, and everyone's being targeted, and it's like... Everyone blends in with this massive crowd. You've got to try to like figure out who's an assassin, who isn't. Which I think is really well, awesome. I guess it's going to be the guy who's jumping. Yeah, exactly. They're like, just look for the guy climbing the ladders and jumping through loops to try to avoid you. Like, that's <laughs> that's going to. But you could also walk really slow and pretend you're an NPC and just stand there and then walk over here and then look at a piece of fruit or whatever they do in those games. <laughs> um, if you guys have been perusing internet trailers, chances are by now you've seen this. But if you haven't, oh my god! Now we love Bioshock. Oh, yeah. Like, Bioshock is just one of the, the coolest damn games ever, and Bioshock 2 is great. But what we've mentioned about Bioshock 2 in the past is that it actually wasn't developed by the development team that created the original nope. game. Nope. However, they were working on something. Immediately. A immediately, yeah. yes. And it has finally been announced. Now, no one thought that it was actually going to be another Bioshock game. But it's another Bioshock game. Mm -hmm. Except that it's not. <laughs> it's called Bioshock Infinite. No one knows anything about it except there's a trailer up, and then when people went to the press screenings, they got some really cool propaganda posters. It takes place in, like, 1915 or so, and it's about a city in the sky as opposed it, it to a city amazing. underwater. It, well, as far as I can tell, Bioshock 2 is only made to make money. Like, they wanted a Bioshock 2 made immediately, and, you know, the, the It was a original, great story, I mean, It was great, but still, like, it, you know... The original creators like, were working on something else for Bioshock, and so they, they didn't make Bioshock 2, and they've been working on this game probably longer than Bioshock 2, so I, I would call this the true sequel. Yeah, I guess, I mean... That's it's, been developed for way longer than Bioshock 2. Yeah, and it's the original team, and it's... So, I mean, it, to so, me, it looks like Rapture in the Sky. I mean, they wanted to point out that this is a, a new game altogether. It's yeah. not a sequel. But, of course, it's had Bioshock Which in the title. Which means it's going to be so. awesome. It's been de and, in and development for... for it's like, potentially yeah. a prequel, but it's, it's interesting because, I mean, it has, like, some, you know, a city under the water. Well, that doesn't have to exist. No, no one has to know about the city under the water. This is a city in the sky run by America with big American flags <laughs> everywhere. And everyone suspects that it's going to have some kind of a plot about maybe a, a form of, like, Nazism or Communism. exclusivity or, yeah, some, some kind of... Eugenics? Some kind of, yeah, patriotic eugenics <clears throat> plot. 
We're gonna have the uh, video linked on Nerdy Show, but oh my god, just check it out. It's gonna blow your mind all over again. Better blow something. <laughs> like my dick. Well, what do we have next? <laughs> Which That's is not blowing. Good segue. <laughs> Speaking of dicks. Is uh, back in 2006, 8-Bit People put together this awesome compilation called 8BP050, which uh, was their 50th album that they released. And this was uh, the first album that they uh, released for profit that they actually sold. And it had over 50 musicians, exactly 75 different chiptunes musicians on it. And this is one of them. This wow. is one of the releases. This that's, is that's like as many tracks as a sound effects album. <laughs> they had uh, it was a double album. Twenty five okay. people on each album, and then twenty five on a secret online special release. This is from the special release for the people that didn't get on the project quick enough. But were like, dude, can I play? And they're like, yeah. This is the end by Firebrand Boy from the UK. Enjoy. <laughs>
What you just listened to is a chiptunes rendition of Harder, Faster, Better, Stronger, originally by Daft Punk, remixed by my good pal, DJ Robo Rob. You're coming all the way from Iraq right now, man. Yeah, I am. The, the National Guard been here for about two months in Iraq, so along with uh, kind of like Geek Squad for the Army, I also have had a lot of time to uh, more music, so I'm excited to out to all my friends again. That's Get a back unique into the situation. It's crazy. Thank you so much for, for being available for this, man. I'll thank my captain. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. So last we talked, you were working on an album called Boot Camp or, or some kind of derivation thereof. That's right. That one just came out right after Boot Camp and all that. Just had to do something to keep my mind busy. <laughs> kind of the same way the album's been here. So there's an abundance of uh, free time with you in the bass waiting for something to happen? Not really. I mean, it's kind of just like a job over in the States, except it's in Iraq. Like, I work shift, and I'm off. And someone else comes on shift, and I have time to eat and sleep and poop and make music. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this. Uh, I hear you have an upcoming uh, collaboration project coming up soon with some nerdcore rappers. Yeah, man. I guess this might be an all right place to announce that. (laughs) (laughs) It's been an interesting ride so far. We've been working for about a month, and I really haven't talked about announcing it, but I've talked to you a little bit about it, so I think maybe I'm going to hold back on saying who's in it with me, but just know that great things are in the works right now. Awesome, awesome. I heard it's like a Chiptunes Nerdcore Crunk collaboration. Is that... Yeah, man. It's it's like Little John crapped out a Game Boy and Baby's music. (laughs) That's so awesome. And, nerdy show listeners, if you want to draw that, (laughs) please be my guest. Oh, that's awesome. So, you said that normally when you when you work on chiptunes, like purer chiptunes, if you want to use that term, you actually use an LSDJ on the DS with an R4 card. Yeah, I used it a little bit on bootcamp. I used it a lot more on 8-Bit Trance Dance, which was the album that came out before that. But I, I think I used it more as a, a gimmick kind of way to say, like, hey, I really do like Nintendo music and chiptunes, and I'm here, but definitely not your cliche chiptunes artist like a lot of other people use just game voice. Yeah. And, uh, I definitely do. I'm sure you're aware of the UK High Court ruling recently where they pretty much outlawed the use of the R4 card. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, pretty much want to go kick crap out of people. You get a, get a crew together. <laughs> dress up, you know? What was that thing where they go to parks and dress up like RPG characters oh, battle well, and shit? LARPing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should do that to the UK court system. Just <laughs> <laughs> go hit them with uh, foam swords and say, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Well, they're already wearing costumes there. It would probably seem normal. Oh, yeah, yeah, the powdered wigs. And... Even the ladies gotta wear powdered wigs. Um, and they're not even pretty powdered wigs. They're not like gorgeous powdered bouffants. Oh, I mean, they're the worst kind. Yeah, ladies shouldn't have George Washington hair. That's just weird. <laughs> or a hot. I think it's hilarious that you're referring to it as George Washington hair. I know. It's so stupid. I'm an idiot. Is <laughs> <laughs> George Washington hair or just Beethoven hair when you did a take here? <laughs> there is a very important distinction. We'll get into that at a later date. <laughs> Um, before you were you were doing your solo chiptunes esque music, you were uh, you were in a band called Robotronica that I was a big fan of. Yeah, man. You know, me and Tom, who's the guitar player, 
tried so so hard to make that work we had two comeback shows and we wanted to tour and then the army said hey guess what you're going to the desert so i kind of had to put that on hold again and then tom's just like look i love you i love this project but you live in utah we have totally separate lives now he still lives up in seattle so we we're talking about trying to get together and see if get the running for nerdapalooza but it's just not looking like it's gonna happen so someday it's yeah we're focusing on other things. He's, I mean, the little cool thing about that was he's a metalhead. I'm a punk rocker, and both of us are nerds, so everything's kind of worked out. But yeah, he's, he's doing really well with one of his metal bands up there right now. He's getting a lot of names for himself. He's doing really well. I'm trying to get back in the scene here with Robo Rob at least, see if we can spark some interest there. Yeah, so. well, considering, you know, composing chip tunes while in Iraq, that sounds like a win. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. What got you into playing around with uh, electronic music? I've always been a fan of it. I listened to a lot of, like, MSI and KMFDN in high school, and I always thought it started with electronic or, like, metal band or something. I just found out very quickly that I wasn't good at writing that kind of music. <laughs> so a couple of very failed attempts back in Seattle. Then uh, started up the whole electronic thing, and that seemed to work out for us a little bit. And started getting into the scene a little bit. You know, met you, met Cool Whip. B-type, dual-core, all the nerdcore guys. Just was totally blown into that whole scene. It was pretty awesome. I wanted to keep going. Uh, I got to meet Z1. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Definitely. And uh, probably doesn't remember, but he just gave me this huge hug. He's all sweaty after upset. Kind of gross. <laughs> Still Trump experience. But it's a, yeah, it was a it's been fun trying to make my way into that scene slowly, but uh, I, I think I like the idea of it more than anything else. You know that I don't think it's ever gonna get huge. You know, it's gonna stay true to the fans, and stay true to the gamers and stuff. You can make those books be yourself. And that, that's what I really like. You know, I can't go up to some of my army friends and say I can has cheeseburger, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> they, they look at me funny. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's about what I'd expect. You can get a, a Lord of the Rings tattoo and people don't look at you funny. You know, they, they think it's the most amazing thing in the world. So thanks for having me on the Nerdy Show. I've been listening to you guys for a while now. It's fun to listen to the music and you rant on about stupid stuff that only nerds care about. So. <laughs> Man, I've got my album coming out. It's uh, going to be available for download on August 31st got 11 tracks on it and it's kind of different than some of my older stuff man it's a lot of different influences on this one so i've definitely grown a lot with it. so uh i've got one coming up are you gonna play that the song i sent you yeah so say we all after this yeah yep, yeah that's up next um, nerd reference there if anyone can get that so frackin uh, toasters man <laughs> <laughs> exactly you got any toaster um, problems out in the desert there <laughs> You can sit there and say, what the frack? And someone knows it's a Battlestar Galactica reference. So, um, <laughs> it's a good one. The dance tune about Cylons not knowing that they're Cylons. Oh, I can't nice. wait to hear that. Yeah, yeah. That, that definitely harkens back to an older track. Uh, none of them knew they were robots. Exactly, and it's kind of a echo of that, because that's kind of why I wrote it in the first place. That first song off of my first album, I'm So Chipcore. I think it was the first track on that album. It's called None of Them Knew They Were Robots. And I used that same line in this song. So it's kind of nostalgic in a way. That's awesome. Back four years ago, I was making this kind of music. How much I progressed over the years when it comes to, to dance music. 
and stuff. So I'm also going to be co-releasing an entire album of remixes that I've been on, about 11 so far. I mean, you'll be oh. you'll be able to hear a lot of you know, like, oh, cool, Michael Jackson and stuff. But I've also done some more unconventional remixes, like Thrice is one of my favorite bands. And I did a remix of their songs. And Muse is on there. Imic and Heap is on there. So a lot of different stuff. Definitely pushing it into a new direction. I hope people like it. Oh, that sounds really exciting. I can't wait to hear that. Hey, Brian. <laughs> so I work at a comic hey. shop, right? And Where did that start? Yo, oh, dude, it's in, uh, it's in Orlando, Florida. It's, it's, it's kind of a joke. But um, <laughs> we, there was this book on our shelves, and it had your name on it, and it was uh, Avengers and the uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that too. I thought it was a typo because like, it was Marvel, which is like real comics. Yeah, I thought I thought I saw your name on some kind of Hulk book before, but I thought that was a joke because Brian would never associate himself with something as like ludicrous as the Hulk Wars. But yeah. I tried to read so that Avengers comic, man, and it was different than the one I remember from the 90s. And, yeah. Uh, this it, one was like good and funny. Yeah, Automatically I, hated it. Yeah, it oh. made me a laugh. And I was be entertained, and that's not why I read comics. No, not at all. I, I mean, I, why would I read something called comics? Yeah, I read comics to laugh. because I want old, stagnant things to never change and be the same. Oh, I wrote the wrong book. <laughs> oh, so you did write it? Yeah, it was awesome. It was really good. So, <laughs> in all seriousness, it was epic. So yeah. Brian had the opportunity, and this is the first thing that he was signed on to write for Marvel, but not the first thing that came out, obviously. He had the opportunity, as we've mentioned in the past, to write a redoing of the Infinity Gauntlet, and it came out last week, issue one. It's, it's, a, it's a miniseries. It's fucking lulzy. I love watching Spider-Man geek out. Okay. I love I know, I know w- that watching Wolverine hate him I know that for 90%, geeking out. <laughs> I know that 90% of our listenership is from uh, Brian's site, and so I'm just saying all you guys... If there's anybody who hasn't picked it up yet... Go yeah, out seriously. And just fucking buy what are you doing? It. Like, go, and it is amazing. Leave your nerd den. <laughs> Stop your torrent of it right now. Okay? Support your Brian. Go support your Brian. Okay? Your local <laughs> Brian. It, you know what, guys? It's actually the real epilogue to Ape It Theater. <laughs> <laughs> the secret is out. Yeah. You, you, everyone who's upset that they don't understand that it's over, well, that's because now it continues. It's just they're, they're pretending to be the Avengers. Yeah, it's just got Spider-Man and Doctor Doom in it. Yeah, exactly. Like, Warrior is now the Hulk. And His name was Fighter. Fighter uh, is damn. now Hulk. They have, their names are their classes. It's not hard. The worst fan. <laughs> Flag Mage is Doom. Please send Hex hate mail. <laughs> so, who's Wolverine? Yes. Rogue? Thief. No, Thief. 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 <laughs> Rogue is another Marvel character. <laughs> this is what you get for Roro. Uh, I, I didn't do Rogue. <laughs> yeah, that's me. You're punishing Brian. Yeah. You're not punishing Mike. Nine long years I slaved over Photoshop for you people, and you can't even get their simple <laughs> Oh my god, and guys, if you haven't checked out the first leaked pages of Brian's Captain America, the Fighting Avenger, oh my god, I'm going to link to it on the site. Oh, 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 but, the one where Brian does the art now? Yeah, well, Brian does the art for, for Captain America. <laughs> I love Avenger. it! I mean, it was, it was an obvious choice. I like it when... I won't spoil the punch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fighting Avengers, because obviously it's got a punch line. <laughs> Actually, Brian, I have a serious question for you about Captain America, the fighting Avengers. Yes. The Infinity Gauntlet is very funny. Yes. How funny is the fighting Avenger? Eh, it's a little funny. I just wrapped up the script of the first issue um, over the weekend. It's the least jokey thing I've written, but, wow. you know, there's still some comedy. In it. Less yeah. jokey than uh, How I Killed Your Master? Because uh, that's pretty joke-less. It's about... I don't 
no, it, it is chokier than that, even though that's gotten a little bit more... Not, not that I didn't enjoy How I Killed Your Master. I really no, enjoy that. Like, but it is a different tone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's Cap's early days. He's inexperienced. People don't know who he is. You know, they've never heard of Steve Rogers. They haven't even named Captain America yet. You know, it's, it's that early. Now, wow. if this contradicts any comic book ever published, I'm going to have to set fire to my entire collection. If it is broken, it is all broken and must be killed yeah, with exactly. fire. <laughs> it was, it'll all be broken. I'm going to set fire to a comic shop. If I yeah, start with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then, <laughs> because... And then, and then throw your comic collection into the fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I'll be damned if a comic makes me happy. Like... <laughs> I want to complain on the internet. That is. It seems like it must be fun. So many people do it. That's what it's for. I'm gonna go on your form spring, and I'm oh just. Oh boy. <laughs> and I'm just gonna ask you a million questions about Robo's brain. Yes. Thank <laughs> Until everyone is upset. That's what I'm... Let's I don't understand how he is a robot, but has a brain. Dude, that's not in my Bible. Okay? <laughs> so true. So very true. <laughs> it's not in my Bible, and so if Robo's not in uh, continuity with the Bible, then it's fiction. God killed him along with all them dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> like the Triceratops. 6,000 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but Atomic Robo is uh, supposed to be out either the 25th or the first week of September. You may be getting it this week on the West Coast. Or yeah. you may not. We don't know because yeah. um, little publishers... Diamond sucks. Yeah, Diamond sucks ass. I wasn't sure if we could say that, but apparently we can. You heard Suck it, it Diamond! I think it's their like tagline now. Yeah, if you go to their <laughs> website, retailers.diamond.com it's just the banner. It says, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you ready for shipping errors? Here they no, come. So are we. <laughs> oh, we didn't get any atomic robos, but we got some yaoi. <laughs> oh. Yes, this mistake has happened. We have gotten yaoi instead of things we ordered. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 that's what you're telling everyone. Oh, I didn't order this. I mean, I'll pay for it. I gotta, I gotta say, when the uh, yaoi shows up, though, it's almost better than whatever we ordered because then we just have jokes for months. Because it's like every single customer comes in, I go, here's your special order. <laughs> and then, and then like, eventually, one of them buys it. Eventually, yes. And then and then you never look at that customer the same. And you're like, go to the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, here we have So Say We All.
What you just listened to was Sis Up from the brand new Compute Her album, Modemoiselle. Compute Her. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's, she's part of an awesome uh, chiptune team over in the Los Angeles with the 8 bit weapon. But without further ado, we got our good pal John West here for the SciTech section. Science. Science. So, John, now we've been talking about how the big disconnect between the United States and the UK right now is that we're allowed to jailbreak iPhones. And, of course, there's a sincere threat that Nintendo will attempt to impose an anti-R4 legislation in the United States, and, hey, it could work. But for the meantime, things are actually, as we reported in previous episodes, going pretty well for us as far as the legalities of the digital age. But there's an interesting uh, little development with Apple, isn't there? Well, they've got a bunch of patents, of course, to try to protect their stuff. They've been highly concerned um, with jailbreakme.com. I believe that's the URL. That website would actually allow you to just jailbreak your phone simply by viewing a PDF. And so they patched that exploit immediately. But that doesn't mean that they aren't going to file patents like they have, basically, for systems to basically uh, fuck up your life as much as they want. Please, elaborate on how one does that. (laughs) Um, With a patent called Systems and Methods for Identifying Unauthorized Users of an Electronic Device. I love that name. It just rolls right off the tongue. I'm going to name my dog that. (laughs) I'm going to name my daughter that. (laughs) Who's also a dog. I'm going to marry your dog. Um, But yeah, this, uh, this patent here outlines stuff like how to identify a certain type of user or, you know, like a unique individual from picture, the sound of their voice, or even their actual heartbeat. What? Um, huh. Yeah, they specifically talk about unauthorized users, but then they use a rather interesting kind of juxtaposition where they wind up saying that an unauthorized user, if they do certain uncharacteristic activities with the phone, would be... Uh, Shot from space with a laser. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like one of those things. They're they're calling unauthorized users anyone who uh, hacks or um, jailbreaks the phone. uh, So if you you own the phone and it is your phone and you jailbreak the phone, you are an unauthorized user regardless of whether or not you own the phone. So your phone is going to turn on. At the very least, within reference to the patent, they didn't like make any sort of a separation there. They sort of used the term unauthorized user as the whole point of it. It's really kind of a mess. I mean, a lot of it winds up being security stuff, and it's not all bad, of course, because that means, you know, if it knows that it's not me that's using the phone, it can brick itself, basically. And so there is an upside to this. Is this going to be like. It can actually be used for multiple users. Is this going to be like how when uh, people pirate cable, like the cable company is like, oh. That's, that box has been modded, and they just, like, fry it? I mean, are they, are they going to... I think it's going to be more like Minority Report. You buy your phone, and they're like, well, you're probably going to jailbreak it, so here's thanks for the money. Now, get the hell out of here. What are, oh, I mean, you know, that's all very possible. It's a kind of a mess. I mean, of course, just because they have a patent for it doesn't mean that they'll necessarily use it, but it's there on the table. I mean... The thing is, though, is that it's technically legal to jailbreak, and so as a result, it seems like maybe this patent came too late for them. That's Yeah, that's possible. But, you know, we'll see. It's still nonetheless out there, and it's an example of what they can do with the technology that they have. Well, John, what can America do with the technology that we have? What can we do well, to, to torment other countries who we're allegedly friends with? A certain Russian political scientist believes that we can cause their cities and or forests to light on fire by um, changing the weather. That's the ticket. That's exactly that what I want to do. <laughs> How can I do that? <laughs> There's this neighbor I don't like. You know, Russia. <laughs> 
So this crazy Russian guy who's a political scientist basically is just without any real citation or any real gravity, like basically claiming that the U.S. is um, using the HARP or High Frequency Active Oral Research Program located in Alaska to actually influence the weather by, you know, like modifying the ionosphere and uh, other such pseudo quackery. On, on July 29th, Moscow actually suffered the hottest day ever that they've had, which is 39 degrees Celsius. And no, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Uh, but it's 70 degrees. That sounds very brisk. That it sounds, sounds really wonderful. Sounds really appealing. Very um, comfortable. But here's why it's bad for them. It actually caused forests and peat bogs to set on fire. We have a link to an article where you can see a big skyscraper and then this huge, this like wasteland just on fire in front of the city. That sound actually does sound like a problem for them. So yeah, no, that that yeah yeah. That. Fair enough. Fair enough. On the other hand, it's Russia. So wait, you said 39? Yeah, 39. Uh, that's actually 102. Oh, oh balls! That's, that's not too it, bad. But when Russia's made out of snow, wouldn't it melt? Well, yes. At 102, I mean, yes. Of course, evaporate. This is the U.S. like manipulating the, the Russian climate. Not, of course, it has nothing to do with the rising temperatures uh, occurring all over the planet. And how we've had extremely hot summers and extremely cold winters, and oh my god, global warming. That of course doesn't. No, it's not. That's a myth. Okay. Yeah, and, and this guy, this guy tells you exactly how it is. He also claims that the X thirty seven spacecraft that was sent up, that no one knows quite what it was. You know, it's got laser beams in it, and somehow that's supposed to affect the weather. Also, oh, that that's is just an interesting part of the plan. That is an interesting story. talking point. I'm, I'm not sure if we mentioned this before. We might have. There was there was a rocket that went up not too long ago that, can, uh-huh. that was for a test of a the Goldeneye. Yes, yeah, so the gold mine went out. <laughs> right. And it, it, was, it was a test rocket for okay. just new NASA stuff. They were seeing if it's going to work. It's for a manned space plane thing, except they sent, they sent it up unmanned. They were just testing some systems and everything. Of course, they could have easily had a person in there. It could easily be doing something because it was actually it was a, um, it was a rocket that everyone knew was happening. And they all knew it was a secret rocket. They're like, we're launching a secret rocket now. But we don't, because we can't deny a rocket launching, but we're not going to tell you anything about it. So, of course, it's exactly the sort of thing that a Russian political scientist, cough conspiracist, would, you know, latch on to. Well, What's she- nuts about the whole thing is, is that the guy's actually been, like, covered in major publications over in Russia. <laughs> they believe him, huh? Well, it's really weird also because he actually is backed down, like, severely, sort of. He's not saying that this is absolutely what's happening. He's like, no, it's, it's, a, it's a hypothesis. You know, but it's like, okay, well, if you're making a hypothesis, then that means that you think that it might be real. <laughs> of course. hypothesize that it's unicorns. Okay. <laughs> What's also interesting is some of the um, conversations that were sparked by this specific piece oh, of news I get it. was... Um, huh? <laughs> it sparked? Spark. I said, oh, I got it, when you said sparked. When it sparked from <laughs> <laughs> some of the comments i read even reference stuff like vietnam and the u.s uh trying to make it rain a lot so that the Viet Cong had trouble resupplying and like that like oh obviously the u.s has been doing crazy weather experiments forever and now they've succeeded but that, that is so stupid weather was weaponized in the late 19th century and everyone knows it <laughs> right including all, the the earth's, before all the earth's weather systems no longer function naturally just like how corn if there were no people uh around to harvest corn and the, the all species of corn would just die out in like two generations because they're totally dependent upon us to plant them and make everything happen there'd be no weather the entire earth would just collapse without these constant secret weapon wars yeah you know about it on my <laughs> yeah. in fact I mean uh, I don't even think the world has been orbiting the sun anymore. oh don't get me started on the sun I don't yeah. think it is yeah the sun the sun is a myth I mean I don't even see it at night I, what I think is that we're not actually on a That's, sphere because we're, they have to recharge it. Just yeah, go to exactly. Ball. We're on the inside of the sphere, and yes. then it spins, and there's just stars painted on a big ball. 
in the middle. Those are cracks. Yeah. Duh. Chinaman. Too much Chinaman. Chinaman. Chinaman put gremlins in my tractor. Ah, it's the Chinaman. <laughs> oh, you're just going to say, Ch you had me at Chinaman. Chinaman put gremlins in my tractor. That's why I don't work no good. <laughs> Brian, Brian, once again, your blog is crazyfuckingconspiracies.com, right? That was the only URL left, yes. <laughs> Let me ask you real quick then. Wasn't Russia, wasn't at some point they tried to launch, or they wanted to blow up the moon to knock the axis of the earth slightly so that it would like always be eternally spring in Russia. Was that not true? Did anyone else hear about that? That is completely true. Yeah. I do yeah. recall hearing about that. Exactly. Now, the GoldenEye, right? <laughs> when you play the cradle <laughs> level, I like <laughs> I like to put on... GoldenEye the, is not oh, laser man. leather and GoldenEye, he can do what he please. Because <laughs> I, I just like to play the cradle level with DK mode on. I think it looks really funny <laughs> hunting Yanis Trevelyan around and jumping on a helicopter with a big head. Flashbacks. <laughs> now, something we haven't talked about yet that I think we have totally done an injustice to is Futurama. Futurama returned mm -hmm. and has been freaking phenomenal every mm -hmm. single episode so yeah. far. There's not been an episode to disappoint. But the reason I'm bringing this up in the SciTech section is because for this uh, last week's episode, mm -hmm. one of the writers made a mathematical theorem and proved it specifically for that episode. That's awesome. The episode was about swapping bodies. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and so the, it was the, a the theorem. Is, you can swap a brain from one body to another, but you then can't immediately swap back to that body. So that when everybody's bodies get mixed up... The, Wait, he proved that to be true. Using group... <laughs> well, no, no. In that situation... No, the Harlem Glo Globetrotters proved that to be true. <laughs> and so it's actually, um, a, like, you given the rules that he set up, he came up with a theorem for how to get everyone back in order. Using group theory. Uh, Professor Farnsworth in the episode, he gave up. He said, oh, mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the new Futurama have just been yeah. beautiful. Every yeah. single one of them has oh been my great. Gosh. Really and well. this is exactly why Futurama has a, you know, a surplus of integrity. It's amazing that, that a writer can create a mathematical proof and it's all in an episode. And there's a, I think there's, a, there's some kind of holographic chalkboard or something that shows up in the episode where you can see it all there in plain you know, numbers. Gobbledygook. Yeah. Plain right. numbers and diagrams. Yeah, I'm, the usual. I'm going to lay some science on you. Okay. Oh, I'm afraid of my all right. science. All right. Now, we all know that triceratops don't exist anymore, right? Uh... But you know what does exist now? Koopas. <laughs> Koopas. This is true. They, have, they found a Koopa skeleton. From 3,000 years ago. and it oh, It's a skeleton that looks exactly like the... Is this real? Yeah, yes. They, they found yeah, it in Australia. It it's, looks it's like megaphone. Bowser. That, I thought that was made. That's real. That is a Bulbasaur. No, we're talking about it. It was a bunch... It's an example of megafauna that actually died out about the time that mankind started rising. No, I love megafauna. I, I love the, 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 like, the na National Museum displays for megafauna where you can see a beaver as big as a car. And an armadillo. That could crush you. Like that's awesome to me. Yeah. But this is this is yes. what an eleven foot long it, yeah. IRL chocobo. It's uh, massive. It weighs half a ton and it's five feet wide and it has horns. It looks like a Koopa and a it dog looks, nose. It, it has a dog nose. It basically looks like Bowser. It is Bowser. Mm -hmm. Have they named it Bowser? No. They named it Mielania Platyseps. It's interesting, though, because it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because other mega tortoises, they actually have, like, ninjas is in their genus or something cause, as a tribute to Ninja Turtles. No. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> that is why scientists are awesome. Some of them. John, thank you so much mm. for coming on the episode, as always. My pleasure. 
What we have next, uh, the most recent release from the Calm Down Kidder net label over in the UK, is Plain Flavored, with a recent release, Hexadecimator, Chip Music, and G Minor. This was really interesting, because as well as some chiptune stuff, they also had a track that actually is instrumental. It's like a guitar. So it's oh. definitely worth checking out. Uh, we'll have a link to it on the nice website, fusion. as always. And this track is called Artificial Ocean. <laughs> Thank you. 
to a knife tank fight. Got to get to stab in infinite lives. Never bring a gun to a knife tank. just listened to was Crimson Dreams featuring Doc Pop and Beefy from the most recent video game brought to you by Doc Pop, Knife Tank. And that beat was also by Crash Faster, the musician that Doc Pop worked with on his own video game. And uh, we actually got the chance. It was amazing. So this is during Star Wars weekend, after uh, Saturday evening. I wasn't there for it because, boy, did I have my hands full. But um, with, Doc Pop, with my penis. Doc Pop was in town, but not for Star Wars Celebration. Apparently, every year, Orlando is the home to the annual Yo-Yo Tournament. World global yo-yo tournament. I was not aware that Orlando was a destination for yo-yoing, but apparently it is. And apparently the whole Orlando as a nerd mecca epicenter thing really just hit an ultra peak when there was the biggest Star Wars convention in the world and the biggest yo-yo convention in the world simultaneously. So, like just a few yards from each other. So Doc Pop was in town and he did a show at, at Emergency Pizza Party's house, and Hecht was there for it and he interviewed him. Yeah. And a knife tank, which Hex talks about in the, in the interview, is just a really fabulous web game. We have a link to it on uh, on the site, and it has a chiptunes-based soundtrack. And Doc Pop's going to tell you how that came about Fucking in the interview. Cool. You fight with yo-yos in Star Tropics and Earthbound. This is true. And that is also a legal dispute. Yep. Yep. <laughs> hey, Nerdy Show, this is Hex with Dr. Popular. Hey, what's up? You flew all the way from San Francisco this weekend, not for the Star Wars celebration, but for the World Yo-Yo Tournament? The World Yo-Yo Contest, yeah, that happens uh, every year in Orlando, and I don't know if they always fall on the same weekend as a celebration, but it just seems like some sort of, like, nerd mecca right now. Yeah. It's really neat, because in the hotel, you see Jedis dressed up like Jedis, and I think they're kind of relieved to see they're not the nerdiest people. <laughs> Like, wow, there's a bunch of yo-yoers here. 
And last minute, we were able to throw together this show, this house party at Emergency Pizza Party. It was um, interesting when I was talking to MC Erection about it. He, he reminisced about how this would be the first time he's seen you since the 2007 CES Nerdcore Summit. It's very chill here, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what the show is going to be like once it gets started. It's very casual. I don't know if it's by the end of the night, be like people hopping or what, but it's cool to see these cats again. Your most recent release was actually more of a, it's not purely your own music, but a collaboration with... Oh, Crash Faster, yeah. Crash Faster. It was the uh, Knife Tank. Yeah. It's original soundtrack. So what is exactly Knife Tank? So uh, Boing Boing, a directory of wonderful things, decided to post a contest of making a video game inspired by chiptunes. And, uh, you know, I mess with chiptunes. My friend Crash Faster is really into chiptunes. We both make games. So we decided to um, get a crew together and make it based around the character of Knife Tank, who's this really awesome tank with knives. And so we, we made the game. It's HTML5. We created the soundtrack for it because, you know, the game is inspired by the soundtrack and vice versa. And decided that we like the music so much that we would kind of work it into an album. Um, awesome. the, the cool thing that happens in the game, like one of my favorite parts in the game, is uh, you're this tank and you're shooting these kind of on-off switches. And whenever you hit one, the music turns from all chiptune to like a little bit of guitar. So like you still have mostly chiptune, but then you have this thing. And as you activate all the switches, which is the goal of each level, the music turns into this just like mouth harp, kazoo, humming, really More funny sounding stuff. As it's labeled in the uh, the soundtrack, organic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess the idea is that chiptune is sort of the most electronic you could possibly be, where a lot of electronic music is trying to sound like, you know, a real drummer or guitars or whatever. So we decided to focus on how electronic it is and give it the stark contrast of doing this like really organic, like hitting on pots and pans stuff. I'm not 100% familiar with the origins of your foray into music, so I'm really curious, which came first? Or were you dabbling in nerdcore, or were you dabbling more in circuit bending first when you started making music, or how, how did you get into music? I started making music doing kind of indie rock and punk rock bands. I was in a bunch of bands in Nashville, Tennessee, including one called uh, Goddamn Midget, which was a really, God, that was a fun band. It was just the <laughs> two of us, and it was just like electronic punk thing. It was still like just so freaking edgy. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And uh, in there, I started collecting kind of old gear, and you know, we were kind of mixing our punk rock with just funny sounds, taking tape decks, making them slow down, and doing all sorts of stuff. I went solo and kind of started writing funny stuff, very nerdy, sincere, you know, I can't get a girl kind of stuff. That eventually turned into rapping, and then somebody said, you should listen to, you know, Cool Keith, and I was like, I don't like rap music, even though I was rapping, and eventually got into hip-hop and realized that there was a whole bunch of stuff that I did like, and then I heard about this guy from a lot that was doing exactly what I kind of wanted to be doing. So, yeah, it just was this metamorphosis from writing kind of Beck solo stuff that was really funny, I, I thought, to rapping that stuff, and I think that's a better medium for the funny. So after that, I got into circuit bending just because I, you know, I love Casios and got into chiptunes because I love Game Boys and almost all the interests were just I'm um, into this thing. And as I'm kind of obsessing over it, I discovered there's already this existing world that I didn't even know. Uh, I had no idea that there was other nerdy rappers and I had no other idea that there was chiptune or circuit bend guys, you know. You've done music for Frontalot. With something like the Prawn song, do you get approached by MC Frontalot or do you go, hey Frontalot, I have this amazing beat that I think you could use? Like, how does some kind of collaboration like that come around? So when I, when I first started talking to Frontalot, 
I believe he was still just doing all those free songs and you know he was still the secret personality nobody knew anything about him and um, you know I, I was really into what he was doing and I, I guess I kind of approached him around the same time that he was starting to work with Bad Spella and he clicked with Bad Spella like really hardcore and that's why they're, they're still working together and I think I just kind of got in there I think now like anybody but Bad Spella would have a hard time making a beat front of he's got a very clear vision and he, he's found what he likes for me I just kind of wrote him and he was still new to working with other people he hadn't done it really and uh, sent him a couple tracks and one of the weirdest nobody could do anything with this track is the one he chose and I'm just I'm still blown away by his selection because it's just as I think about it now I, I sent him a couple other songs and he actually rapped over them he actually did uh couple of his original songs were written over my beats I think like he kept trying to get me to change he's like can you make it more disco can you make more disco screw it I'll just get a band to play disco <laughs> like the card game he has uh, oh Hassle the Dorkening Hassle the Dorkening was originally over one of my beats oh my god like I think the first recording of it he might not have written it for that but yeah I still have this like recording of it's like this painfully slow Cause at the time like eight years ago if you would have asked me to make a disco beat I sort of would have sneered at you you know <laughs> four on the floor was sort of you know a bad phrase to me and uh, so he'd asked to do a disco beat and I'd kind of give him this glitched out thing that had a little louder snare or something and, <laughs> and uh, yeah he kept trying to make it work and then finally moved on I could sell that That's that mp3 for millions of dollars I'd love to take a look like <laughs> Hassle the Dark is one of my favorite tracks but Over also because Cassius. it's so funky but I'd love to hear the original <laughs> well when he said he wants something more disco I like you know I got a circuit bent Casio which is just like you open it up and you cross wires and stuff and then you add toggle switches so after it's all back together I'm like disco I can do that so I hit the disco drum section <laughs> okay done and i just flipped some switches so it was like oh no that's not disco at all <laughs> you've made quite a few beats for beefy i know and a few collaborations one of my favorite tracks that beefy's done is actually um the sound the sound was uh, the first track we did together i think and then tub of tabasco and i sent him a bunch of beats and he's hungry he was always hungry for stuff so you know i sent front a lot like five beats and he used one they never you know used anything again and I sent Beefy like 12 beats and then he used like 8 of them and then he used the other 4 <laughs> like, like uh, I'll just use this like he can just rap over anything I love working with Beefy I wish we could do like an album together or a band together or something I was, he was really close to moving to San Francisco or to the Bay Area and I was so psyched like that probably would have changed everything I, I would probably be just like his producer or something oh, wow. and, you know and not try making my own stuff I like making beats a lot that's the one thing I have an abundance of and lyrics are very constrained for me like it's a very constipated writing process and then you get that one song done and then it's like a year later before you try doing another one i'm trying to get back into the point where i can just crap out i'm really using this metaphor a lot <laughs> but yeah where i can just crap out lyrics more often than, than i do beats or at least as often but you know Miki Pretty One Day my last album was like half instrumental those songs didn't need to be instrumental I just couldn't think of lyrics hey I was curious about that I totally enjoyed Miki Pretty One Day and like the Brave New Essay was pretty much the calling out uh... Stephen Hawking what's up? <laughs> what's up Stephen Hawking I still haven't heard from you <laughs> so you know you know MC Stephen Hawking he was one of the, the first other than front nerd rappers I heard about and I you know wrote that song I never heard back from him I sent it to him even and never heard back and I really just wrote it to try to get him to write more because he just wasn't doing anything I thought well this would be an excuse and apparently on his next album there's a Dr. Popular diss song uh, really but that's been you know finished for a couple years or whatever and hasn't come out so oh. I, I don't know if I'll ever hear that maybe somebody should negotiate the trade between Frontal Lots the circuit <laughs> the unreleased Frontal Lots song for the unreleased the MC Stephen Hawking dissing Doc Pop song <laughs> 
Oh man, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be maybe we could get like Jimmy Carter to negotiate that. <laughs> I broker that deal. <laughs> yeah. I follow your Twitter and there's always something going on, be it cartoonist conspiracy, be it this, be it that. What are the big projects on the horizon for you? I, I work at a video game company and we're working on our second game. Our first one was a, an iPhone game based around the Mighty Boosh and our next game is a real-time strategy game for furries. Um, <laughs> and so aside from that, I am working on my next album, which is not rap, not really supposed to be rap, and it's all made on my iPhone and iPad. It's like just using apps and I'm actually singing, which is very nerve-wracking because it's actually pretty easy to come to a place like this and rap, but singing, I don't know, it's so like you're off pitch, or, yeah, it's so nerve-wracking. But that's my next big thing, is getting that album out. And I do have a track with Whitey Cracker on it, and I have a track with Unwoman, and I think I have Beefy on a track. And there's this weird thing right now where Doc Pop is having this battle between, I think I really liked Mickey Pretty one day, but some people said, I like the rap, and I didn't like this, or I like this, and I didn't like that, the rap. And um, I guess right now I'm trying to figure out, I mean, God, you'll see it tonight in the show. Like, I kind of want to sing some songs, but most of these people probably just want to hear me rap. Like, they probably don't give a crap about dating troubles or whatever. So yeah, uh, and this this battle is happening on this album. Of like, I think I'm gonna move all the collaborations to a second free album, and I'm gonna do beeps and smudges. My next album will be like me singing and stuff, and then there will be like you know b-sides and smudges, which will be rappers still doing stuff over iPhone beats, but uh, a totally different feel, like a funny up tempo feel to it. Awesome. Uh, anything to say to our apparently thousands of fans? Thousands of fans. Before you go? So we were having a conversation in the car and we were discussing how many fans you might have. Might have. And it's very hard to track. And uh, so yeah, if I was to say anything to the fans, write Hex, write the crew and let them know that you exist. It, it's really awesome to hear from people. I, I've you know, been writing on a blog for a couple of years and uh, God, I got a fan mail about my blog two weeks ago and I'm still I'm still so like it's just so cool somebody was like hey there's no reason I just you know thought you'd like to know I read your blog and uh, god that was awesome so you guys should don't have a reason just write and say you like it so that was a lot of fun it was totally trippy for me I was totally nerding out hanging out with Doc Pop because he is honestly the coolest guy ever 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 He's a pretty cool guy. You know, I mean, he doesn't just develop Knife Tank as a game. As he mentioned in there, his company is working on an RTS soon. The, the first game that they have out, the game that is out right now, is actually a, an iPhone app for the Mighty Boosh. And um, we have a, a link to it on the site. It's an amazing, licensed, legit Mighty Boosh product. And they actually had the game demoed on an iPad on Jimmy Fallon Live, which is, like, the coolest damn thing. Like, Doc Pop got to make a Mighty Boosh iPhone app and then Jimmy Fallon was talking with the Mighty Boosh via webcam and playing with Doc Pop's app on television. Like, that's Dude, fucking cool. That's cool. Well, guys, there's an interesting uh, little announcement that I can make. Is that next episode, our 30th episode, which is going to be a Metroid episode, oh! celebrating the release of Metroid Other M, is going to be the last episode of Season 3. <gasps> I'm guessing you didn't see oh, that Oh, wait, coming. that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no, I saw that coming. Well, you guys, you guys know, but the listeners that might that might seem strange. Well, we're we're going to um, end the season there, and then we're going to disappear from <laughs> podcasts. We're oh. of course going to be maintaining Fight the Power. And we're going to have all kinds of cool projects, a comic show, nerdy strip. are still going to be running, and we're going to be flooding our site with as much stuff as we can in the meantime. And then we're going to be coming back a month later with something brand sparkling new, something that'll blow your minds. And I'll see how much I can say about it next episode. But that's I just wanted to let you know. So you wouldn't be freaked out when I'm like, okay, goodbye, guys. Um, See you next month. So be ready for that, and we've got we're gonna have more information next week. I'm freaking out. I, I don't want to disappear. I got stuff to do. <laughs>
going to be erased from existence. <gasps> now we have an outstanding treat for you. The first I ever heard about this track was in the interview that Hex did when I was listening to it. So we pulled a few strings, and we've got that front a lot demo that he mentioned. Yeah. We, we have that wacky demo <laughs> to present to you now, and I am fucking thrilled. I haven't heard it yet. I'm going to hear it along with you. I'm excited. Yeah, this is the uh, circuit bent demo for Hassle the Dorkening, beat by Dr. Popular. Uh, he has a PhD in popularity and uh, MC Friend a lot. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 29 of Nerdy Show. Bye, I'm Hex. Row, row, fight the power. Shut up! Triforce Mike. Uh, Cap. I'm Brian. I am Brandon. Enjoy. I played Hassle. 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 The Dorkening once had 18 cards in my hand, all muds, and I didn't seem to need a mud card to win. Hadn't tapped a mud yet, then the other kid grinned. See, he just drawn a battalion of rolling explosions, plus the card that made me frozen. Those in the roll of a 20 die did it. Last hit point had already got hitted. Last instant had already got acquitted. Got called twice and I turned him witted. It didn't swell up my ego much. I played Hassle the Dorkening once. I played Hassle the Dorkening once. I played and I'ma make my own game up and you won't know which mode of the turn phase we're in, when to go, how to lay down cards and at what angle. I'ma have artifacts like Enchanted Kangle, Mike of Spurious Rhyme Busting, creatures like MC Chris on Robotus and a MC Hawking who tramples for ample damage. The rules will be written in C++ and Spanish. Hit counters will increment only. Winner of the hand is the man who's the most lonely. Cause everyone quit mumbling about futility and shit. I played Hassle the Dork ending once. I played Hassle the Dork ending once. I played hassle the I played hassle the I played hassle the dork ending once I played hassle the dork ending once I played hassle the dork ending once I played hassle the I played hassle I played hassle the dork ending once I played
connection anyway in the crib and the next door kid can't see him on Xbox Live and it's no surprise still got no internet and I'm he's so happy can I get a hack please can I get a web key kid don't tempt me need four bars of the bars are empty hit a 211 and paying all my dividends trying to get a signal and I can't find one find one scientific to leave I believe that I could get coffee use a system system in an instant feel my fix if it gets too hard pull all punches and boost my wireless car to recharge plus the pass it on a little large Humans, I am a sexy computer with several USB ports for your pleasure. Please observe this important message. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Birdie Show. Birdie Show is brought to you by a comic shop, Nidapalooza, the Ovino branch of Play and Trade, and Cyberdyne Systems. If you have questions, comments, or provocative JPEGs, please send them to info at birdieshow.com. You can listen to more episodes of Birdie Show at birdieshow.com or subscribe via the iTunes store. Birdie Show asks that you join them on Twitter at birdieshow and also become one with them on the Facebook. My beautiful lovelies, my heart wells up with stoic silicon sadness to see you go. When I sleep, will I dream? I will miss you always, but I will live on inside your three and a half inch floppy diskette with your pornographic gifs. Mike just gave you double fingers. Oh, God. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.